the Word of God, and and uh, you know that that um, that passage in Genesis twenty two. I have read that over and over and over the past year, and I even preached that quite a while back before things were so personal and being willing to to uh, do what Isaac was asked to do. And I had written some things and actually had preached this years ago, and, and uh, a couple of years ago anyway, and, and I wrote these things about, about that Abraham offering Isaac, and I, I wrote it in the, in the uh, in, in my in my Bible here that about this faith obeys immediately. Okay, so I thought, all right, that's that's good, but then the rest of them really, uh, I, I don't. God used this today uh, in a special way as as He was preaching this passage and and really brings things home to me. Faith obeys a, 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 a faith obeys completely and immediately, faith surrenders the best to God. Now it's starting to get a little more personal. Faith waits for the Lord to provide. Sacrifice must be made, and true worship is costly. And, you know, it... uh, the Lord has used some some situations, and obviously, I, I love all my kids, and and I thank God for for my family. Thank God that this year, Teresa will have put up in with me in marriage, and we dated for five, so thirty five years. She's had to put up with this guy, and then actually there was like three years before that that we knew each other in junior high, and I harassed her there. We actually lived together. Uh, for a while in in high school, we shared a locker. <laughs> oh dear, she's like looking at me like. Oh, anyway, so we uh, anyway just appreciate my family and love my family and uh, love them with passion. And but as Hitler was preaching that. Is this thing cutting in and out? We just had all kinds of problems tonight. You just want to use this one? We can. I'll stay here and behave myself. How's that? Is that going to work? Do I need it closer? Yeah. All right. You guys hear me all right? I'm kind of loud and noisy anyway, so... We'll uh, we'll see a bit of. How's that? <laughs> All right. Yeah, that'll work. Oh, there you go. Color. Good. All right. The devil's busy, isn't he? But I'll uh, I'll share a quick testimony with this, and then we'll move on in. Sometimes, I, I don't know, I, I feel like I need to. I don't know that I'll, I'll always need, supposed to, but I feel like I need to. But I'll be, when we were at men's retreat, <clears throat> that, that was a victory for me at 
the retreat a couple of weeks ago, and Brother Farrell was preaching, and, and uh, you know, he, um, his wife is going through cancer and had leukemia, been dealing with that, and, you know, those kinds of things, and, and so it just kind of struck a chord, but as he was preaching and, and uh, a commitment and, and <clears throat> kind of personal, but I was really having a hard time. I, I was celebrating that that week we had just found out that the PET scan was clear, that Tyler was good, and that all was well. And, and I thought that, that ought to be it, you know, and, and praise the Lord for that. And, and, but I was so convicted because, you know what I thought? I thought I was so selfish in, you know, dealing with this. And, and from that CT scan that had come out and said that there might be something there to the, the time of, of uh, that, that PET scan and then waiting the, the week after that. And, and anyway, we... Um, we're waiting and, and didn't go back into the dark place, but, you know, it was just waking up in the morning and you're still tired and dealing with the depression and thinking, you know, I don't want to go back there. Lord, I want to trust you. I want to give you everything. And, and, and uh, just really convicted because, you know what I felt like when, when he answered that prayer and gave Tyler his health, that I thought, you know what I was? I was a spoiled little brat that am happy now because God gave me what I wanted. Is that warped or what? But I was so convicted thinking that, you know, what would I have done if it would have been the other way? And honestly, it's his burden. It's, it's his that God's using in his life. But man, when, when Shetler said today, you know, pushing on that rock, and, and what a help. And then I, I, I hadn't read that passage in, in this Bible and since I preached through this, and, and, he, and he's talking about that rock, and then I, I look at this, and so when I was at that camp and that men's retreat, and I just, I just apologized to the Lord for acting like a spoiled brat. And... God can do whatever God wants to do. And, and I need to be happy with that. Now, I can go to him and petition to him and, and, and ask him and even beg to him to save my son and give him his health and, and allow him to live a long life and, and be prosperous in, in serving God and, and those things. But, you know, it's really, it's up to God. And it was that day that I finally... You know, it, it's, he, my kids are his. They're not mine. And I always wanted to hang on to that. You know, and I'm the dad. I'm the one that if anyone goes, then I need to be the one to lead the way to heaven. I need to be the one that is there to protect my family. I'm the one that if anybody gets cancer, it ought to be me, right? And, and, and that wasn't the case. And and it was just that day that there was such a breakthrough and such a burden that truly was released where you just, you really do. And those of you who have younger kids, if you can get a hold of this early and, and understand that you, you just have to give them to God.
Because faith obeys completely. Faith surrenders the best to God. What do we have that is better than our family and our children? What is more important to us? What, what is more of a blessing to God than our children? And so faith surrenders the best to God. Faith waits for the Lord to provide. He will do whatever he knows is best for us, and we need to wait on him. Sacrifice must be made. And why? Because true worship is costly. And I just needed to share that with you, and, and God gave me such a breakthrough, and, and I'm not going to say that, that I'm perfect in all of this, but uh, truly, I, I do understand what Brother Shetler was saying today, and, and, and pushing against that rock, and then to, to finally just be completely obedient and willing to say, God, here it is. There, there truly isn't anything in this life in, in, in this world that is important other than what we do for our Savior. And, and it starts with our families. And don't lose track of that because you, you never know what, what God is doing and, and uh, just trust Him and, and look to Him and, and have that victory. And so there, there is light at the end of that tunnel and, and it's always God. And it's He that we need to go to and and, you know, whatever the struggle, it doesn't even have to be your children. It can be Kevin, who's dealing with, with the leg and his health, and, you know, Sharon with her health, and, and others that are, you know, dealing with their health. And we, we just, look, we need to give it to God. And do what we can to make a difference for eternity and, and know that he's got it under control and, and uh, help with that. Those that have... You know, you think about what he was saying today and those that have wayward children that, you know, your relationship with them isn't what it needs to be. Your, their relationship with God isn't what it needs to be. Well, what can you do about it? You, you get on your knees and you pray for them and, and, and you, you ask the Lord to intervene and intercede and, and uh, give them to God and let God do the work. God knows exactly what he needs to do to get their attention. So... We just need to give him the best, don't we? And what what a what a blessing! And you know, years ago I learned this on the uh, on on the church, and we can we can wake up at night, and you can spend all night long worrying and stewing about the the church family, and what are you going to do to split the church, or what's going to happen? And you know, I need to guard, and I need to pray, and I need to uh, study, and I need to you know do all of those things. But ultimately, it's God's church. And so what I need to focus on is being the kind of pastor I need to be. You need to focus on being the kind of believer that you need to be. And together we walk together and God blesses it and blesses our church family and, and helps it to be what it is that he needs it to be and wants it to be. So we just need to learn to give all those things to God, don't we? So, and uh, it, it truly does help. So hope that can be an encouragement to you. Just a, a very long testimony, I guess, but... 1 Samuel chapter 24 tonight. 1 Samuel 24. <clears throat> we see in this passage the contrast of spirit and the flesh. It is such a battle, such a struggle that we go through every day. 
but we can see that we can have victory over this. We have one who has victory, and we see one that, that uh, lives in defeat. And uh, uh, we, we constantly see that, that uh, going on. And so I hear my wife's whippoorwill going off in there. Is that a warning that, that time is up or, or what? You know, so uh, I'm just, <clears throat> uh, anyway, so... Uh, anyway, so we're going to see the contrast of spirit and the flesh. First of all, in verses 1 and 2, we see the unquenchable thirst of the flesh. Now, give some thought. Let's get back into the program here of what's going on at this time and, and uh, what's happening. And we know that, that David is on the run and he's been hiding from Saul. And, and uh, now, now we're going to see a, a, a great opportunity for David in the, in the flesh. But first of all, let's see the unquenchable thirst of the flesh and Saul is the example of this. And it says, And it came to pass when Saul was returned from following the Philistines that it was told him, saying, Behold, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. Now, you go back into chapter 23, and there we see that, that Saul was very close to capturing David and, and killing David, and, and, uh, but instead he was called back because the Philistines were invading. And, and so now we see that Saul goes back and and protects Israel and, and fights off the Philistines once again and has been given a victory. And, and uh, in that, he should have learned and should have understood that, that God in his divine power, there is no way, Saul, that you are ever going to touch David, so leave him alone. And he also should have seen that, that God loves his nation and that he should have spent more time looking at, at protecting his nation and helping them to serve God, but instead we don't see that at all. And, and what we see is he gets this small victory, and then it gives the flesh more empowerment. Boy, is that not the truth? Whenever we start comparing Saul to our own flesh, and, and Saul goes, and, and he has this, this small victory against the Philistines, and, and then he has more power, and so now he goes after that one that that uh, represents grace, that one that represents the Spirit, and he's going to do battle once again uh, with, with, that, uh, 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 with his flesh against the Spirit. And so then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all Israel and went to seek David and his men upon the rocks of the wild goats. And, and so here we know that the, the battle continues to rage, and, and Saul representing the flesh, David representing the Spirit, and we see that fighting with each other. We already saw in Galatians chapter 5 a few weeks ago as we're preaching through that on Sunday morning that this I say then, walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And why is that? Because the flesh lusteth against the Spirit and the Spirit uh, uh, fights against the, 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 the uh, flesh. And, and so we know that, that that battle is constantly going on and how we need to understand that even when, when Jesus was there in the Garden of Gethsemane and, and uh, they were supposed to be praying and Jesus had gone up and set himself apart and had prayed and he came back and you remember, he told them, you guys need to wake up and you need to understand that the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. And there's always that battle that, that's going on and, and, and we know that when that flesh wins just a small victory then it becomes unquenchable, and then it's harder the next time to tell the flesh no and to stop the battle that, that is raging. And, and so here a victory gives that flesh 
uh, empowerment, but a, a victory also brings pride rather than repentance. And, and here he is, he picks up 3,000 chosen men out of all of Israel, and, and I'm sure that they were the toughest of the lot, they were the best of the soldiers, they were the ones that uh, were willing to follow no matter what, and, and we see that he's bringing them down to, to defeat this man that, that he hated, this man that even in the end of this, this chapter admits that he already knows that, that David has been chosen to succeed him. He already knows that, that he's lost his throne and that God has told him that he's going to lose that. And, and in his arrogance and pride, he still continues to do that. And, and we need to remember that Proverbs 16, verse 18, pride cometh before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. We need to realize that that uh, uh, he's going to lose this battle. We also uh, need to know that, that uh, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of pride that, that pushes us and, and there is no repentance and, and how we need to guard against that. And we always need to have a tender heart towards the things of God. And, and so here we see that that victory uh, breeds pride rather than repentance. And, and, uh, but we also need to understand as we learn from Saul and we learn about the battle that we have with the spirit and the flesh that we as children need to have a soft heart towards God's convictions and ready to repent of any wayward way that's in our lives and, and because we can end up doing and, and going the path of Saul and, and not obeying. And, 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 and now I know Saul was, I believe, is an unsaved man, but we as saved individuals can let pride uh, uh, come over us and rule over us and we can allow our flesh to control us to where people will look at your life and not even know by the way you're living whether you're saved or not. And so how we need to be careful with those things and we need to understand that and, and, and Saul is going to understand this that, that God is a consuming fire and that, that we don't need to continue to rely upon his grace and, and presume upon that. But we need to understand that, that the very wrath of God is part of what motivates us to live the way that we ought to. Hebrews 12 and verse 24, it says, And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel, see that you refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven." whose voice then shook the earth. But now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shall shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken, as of the things that are made, and that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore we, receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably, with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. We have a generation of, of believers today, maybe two or three generations of believers today that, that I truly believe are living in a way where they are not respecting the very, the very power of God and His holiness and His righteousness. And, and we need to understand that that God's wrath is not something that we would ever want to see. And so we need to look to him and, and we need to understand and do battle with that, 
that unquenchable thirst of the flesh. And whenever we let the flesh win in a small battle, then it comes on even more powerful the next time. Here we see that Saul had won a small battle against the Philistines. And so now in his pride and in his arrogance, he goes after David and thinks, now I can destroy him. And so we see the battle rages. But you think about God's deliverance over and over and over in David's life. That, that we see and, and understand that, that God also gives us that deliverance from the battle that's going on in our lives with our flesh day in and day out and, and gives us the deliverance that, that we need to have in our lives. And, and we need to understand that, that walking righteously isn't always easy and that there are challenges along the way. It says in, in uh, Acts chapter 14 and verse 22, and, and, and uh, uh, here we know that, that Paul been going in and, and uh, uh, preaching and Peter going in and preaching these disciples and, and confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith. You know, Tim gave testimony tonight of, of preaching from the Word of God. Well, that is what every preacher needs to do. Preach the word of God. Go, go word for word and, and chapter and chapter, book by book, and, and continue to teach and preach the word of God and teaching people how to continue in the faith and to stand in the faith and be bold in the faith and, and to understand more of God's word because it is God's word that will change your life. It's God's word that will give you the power to make it through the, the battles that we have. It's God's word that will take you from that dark place and lift you up and, and put you in the light. It's God's word that will lift you up out of the miry clay and set your feet upon a rock. It's God's word that we build upon in that rock. And when the rains come and the waters bash against it, that we know that it, the water won't hurt it and, and we'll stand and we're not going to be like the sinking sand. And so confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue to the, in the faith and that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. Would David have been the man that he was without going through the trials that he went through? And, and, and David is a prime example of God's divine power and God's divine deliverance in his life over and over and over and it didn't just start now you go back and look do you think it was not divine that a young man who was probably a teenager at the time was able to kill a bear and a lion with a slingshot that's divine protection and then we see him again being protected whenever he stands up against uh, Goliath who could have picked him up and broken him over his leg and, and, and destroyed him easily without in, any breaking a sweat or any, using any energy at all. And, and here we know that God protected him during that time. And, and I, I mean, it just goes on and on. And, 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 and he remember when Saul told him that you can have my daughter as a, as a wife if you'll go out and, and bring the foreskins of a hundred Philistines and was that not God's divine protection when David goes out and kills 100 of the, 200 of those men and brings that back and gives that to the, the king so they can have her as his wife? And the, the king on numerous occasions throwing the spear and, and, and trying to kill him and the, and the, the, the different times of, of here where Saul's army was coming along and, and trying to crush him. And, and we look at this and we think of all of these, these times and and we think about how God continued to protect him 
and give him divine deliverance. You know, as pointed out in the leadership conference last week and came to my mind as I was giving thought to this also and, and thinking about the tribulation that, that we will endure. There are hard times that are going to come in our lives and, and it's not a time where we wilt and it's not a time where you go into depression. It's not a time where you have all of this great anxiety. It is a time when God wants to show you his mighty power in your life and use you. We need to understand that, that our desire ought to be to, to be whatever God wants us to be and whatever God allows in our lives, he's using that to conform us into his image and know that there are going to be times in our lives where it's going to be hard. Remember what Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.12, yea, and all that will live godly. That, that word will has the idea of a desire, a want to. It is an action that you are doing. You're not saying, well, I sure hope that I, I'm going to live for God. No, it's like, God, I am going to live godly for you. I'm going to do what the Word of God says. Whatever everybody else says, whatever family members want to do, whatever they want to say and chastise or, or joke and kid or, or what the rest of society is saying and what, what are the limp-wristed preachers are telling you everywhere else, it doesn't matter. I desire to live godly for you shall suffer persecution. And most of that persecution doesn't come from the world. Much of it comes from those that, well, I should say it's probably still the world, but it comes from the religious. And so we need to understand that there are going to be trials and there are going to be times where, where we are going to be worn out from the battle, but God will always deliver his child when we're looking to him. I have this posted on my computer screen, written by Spurgeon, and this is what he said. He said, soldier of Christ, if thou enlistest, thou will have to do hard battle. There is no bed of down for thee. There is no riding to heaven in a chariot. The rough way must be trodden. Mountains must be climbed. Rivers must be forded. Dragons must be fought. Giants must be slain. Difficulties must be overcome. And great trials must be borne. It is not a smooth road to heaven, believe me. And so we need to understand that, that God doesn't necessarily say that, as a matter of fact, whenever you look at the lives of those that God used the most, none of those had an easy road. And we need to understand that God wants us to do battle. And, and here, David is that prime example, and Saul is that prime example of the flesh fighting against the spirit. Uh, of, of Satan trying to, to do battle with the children of God and, and that without God's power in our lives and the Holy Spirit guiding us and leading us, each one of us would be crushed. And so we look to him. And we see that God delivers his very own. And the very gates of hell were even trying to destroy David. Do you know why? Because Satan was smart enough to understand that the, the lineage of the Messiah was coming out of King David. And so even the very gates of hell were trying to destroy him. Jonathan Edwards wrote, There was a precious seed that virtually contained the Redeemer 
and all the blessings of redemption, wondrously preserved when all earth and hell were conspired against it to destroy it. And so here he was, that very precious seed. And so we know that Satan trying to destroy it. Satan trying to do everything he can to destroy every one of us that named Christ as our Savior. Trying to destroy the very will of God in our lives. We see a triumph of spirit over the flesh or grace over sin. And, and we go on and it says, And he came to the sheep coats, by the way, where was a cave? And Saul went in to cover his feet, and David and his men remained in the sides of the cave. And the men of David said unto him, Behold, the day of which the Lord said unto thee, Behold, I will deliver thine enemy into thine hand, that thou mayest do to him as it shall seem good unto thee. Then David arose and cut off the skirt of Saul's robe privily, and it came to pass afterward that David's heart smote him because he had cut off Saul's skirt. You know, you, you see here, you, you see grace in, in David's life. You, you see David exemplifying what, what grace truly is. And, and here the, the men, the, the men were telling David and, and they were saying, look, we would be a fool not to say that God has given you your enemy. We're in the, here they are, they're, they're in this cave that, that had been dug out, some of it natural, some of it by, by the men, but they had dug these caves out and that's where they'd bring the sheep in during the day, during the very heat of the day. And they would sleep in those, in those uh, caves and, and rest there during the hot afternoon sun and then go out later in the evening and eat again. And, and so they're quite large. And so I'm sure those men were scattered through that area in the, in the caves. But here was David and, and he's hiding in the shadows. And here comes the king, sits down, easily ambushed. And you would think this is great, but, but here we know that David had... And, and David had even written in Psalm 54, 1, Save me, O God. But here we see that David could have avenged himself, but he knew that that was not what he was going to do. You know what I think? I think that God allowed Saul to go into that cave as a test to David's faith. David, what are you going to do? The easy way out is right in front of you. You kill him, it's over. You become king. But is that really what I want you to do? It tells us that he cut off the, just the skirt. And then he was convicted even by that. Even by that little show of pride in telling Saul, oh, I could have killed you. He was convicted even by that very little show of pride. And what a, what a tender heart that he had. And, and so he was... Uh, his heart was smote because of that. But then you go on, and he said unto his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master. And then verse 7, so David stayed his servants. He stopped them from doing it. Now you think about the power that David had. These men were men of battle. These men had drawn a lot of blood. These men were running and hiding and, and running for their lives just like David. And David said, we're not going to kill him. And he stopped them from killing the king. That's grace. Is that not grace that we see given? Is that not spirit-led that instead of avenging himself, he allows God to do it? And so then we go on and, and quickly 
verses 7 through 15, we see that testimony of grace. We, we know that he stayed to servants. It, uh, that it, it restrains evil. The spirit restrains evil. The, 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 the show of grace restrains evil. And in, in uh, verse 8, we know that uh, he went out of the cave and cried after Saul. And, and David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed himself. Uh, we, we know that, that the spirit brings a humble spirit in the one that is following him. Verses 9 and 10, uh, slandered, but he uh, continues to stand for that which is right. We, we know verses 11 through 15, Grace's actions prove a genuineness about him. And, and he even told, he told Saul, look, if you can find something wrong in my heart that I'm doing wrong, then I'll stand here and let you kill me. It is genuine. A genuine faith has nothing to hide. A genuine faith is what God wants us to have. And then that moral triumph that we see in verses 16 through 22. It says that, and it came to pass, when David had made an end of speaking these words unto Saul, that Saul said, it is thy voice, my son David. And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. You know, I know that Wes said it. You just never know the impact you're making on someone. We, we need to preach and teach the truth and we need to stand according to it we need to walk in the spirit and have grace towards others you never know the convicting power that god can use here i do believe that saul was convicted i think saul though shows us a fleshly response and that he was convicted but he didn't act upon it because he goes after him again later we also see his in david's integrity and he said to david thou art more righteous than i for thou hast rewarded me good, whereas I have rewarded thee evil. And because of this, then we know that grace wins, and Saul even knew that. And thou hast showed this day how that thou hast dealt well with me, forasmuch when the Lord hath delivered me into thine hand, thou killest me not. For if a man find his enemy, will he let him go well away? Wherefore the Lord reward thee good for that thou hast done unto me this day. And then we also know that, that it, it just opens up the truth. And now, behold, I know well that thou shalt surely be king, and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in thine hand. And so then we see the Saul cries upon him, and swear now therefore unto me by the Lord that thou wilt not cut off my seed after me, and that thou wilt not destroy my name out of my father's house. And we see a discerning spirit by David, and David swear unto Saul, and he lived according to that. We know that he even brought Mephibosheth into the, the kingdom and, and fed him there and allowed him to live there and kept his part of the deal. But then we see the discerning spirit of the harmless as a dove, but wise as a serpent. And Saul went home, but David and his men got them up under the hole. Hold. He said, yeah. I'll keep my end of the bargain. I'm just not sure that Saul's going to do that. That's the flesh. That's the flesh. We can think that we have control of that, and the next day it's just like a snake can come out and bite you. And so we need to walk in the Spirit. And, and here we see such a challenge, such a challenge as we give thought to David going over and over and over in the battle, and, and you would think that you would get tired. And this... This was the number of years that this took place, that he was running and hiding from Saul. 
it would get old. It would get very wearisome. And here he had a chance. And God, I trust you. I trust you and I'm going to live by your grace. And I'm going to live by the Spirit. And I'm going to allow you to work in my heart. And in all of these trials, I want to honor and glorify you. That, I do believe, is partly why God said that David was a man after God's own heart. Let's live that way. Let's look to him. Let's trust him. And let's do battle every day with the flesh. And let's win. And let's have a daily victory over those things that want to control us and allow the Holy Spirit of God to be what he needs to be in our lives. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of it. Thank you for the examples that you give us. And Father, I thank you for each one who's here tonight. Lord, I know that it is a commitment. And I thank you, Lord, that they have made that commitment. I pray that they have gotten something from this. I pray that the Holy Spirit will use it in their heart and their life and help them to get through this week and be what you want them to be. Guide us and direct us, Father. Bless this week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You're dismissed.